Tune in to the Post-Victory Formation Podcast every Wednesday to hear Kyle and I's in-depth thoughts about the latest news around the league. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is week number two of the Post-Victory Formation Podcast mock draft. This week we'll be covering picks 11 through 20. And tomorrow we should be picking... We'll be picking 21 through 31. Had a little bit of a delay in getting this episode out. Uh, We couldn't make our scheduling work last week, so we are going to double down and give you two episodes this week prior to the draft. Mike, do uh, do we want to go through our top 10 again real quick just as a highlight from last week, or do you want to get right into picks 11 through 20? Um, We'll we'll go over them really quick. Kyle, um, what were your picks? So my top 10 was uh, number one, Carolina taking quarterback Bryce Young out of Alabama. Houston taking C.J. Stroud, quarterback from Ohio State. Arizona takes edge Will Anderson out of Alabama. Indianapolis takes Will Levis out of Kentucky, quarterback. Number five, Seattle, they take quarterback Anthony Richardson. Number six, Detroit takes defensive tackle Jalen Carter. Raiders take Tyree Wilson, the explosive linebacker out of Texas Tech. Number eight, the Falcons, they take cornerback Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. Number nine, Bears, Peter Skronsky out of Northwestern. And my number 10 for the Philadelphia Eagles, Miles Murphy out of Clemson. And my picks were number one, Panthers, C.J. Stroud, quarterback. Number two, Texans, Bryce Young, quarterback. Number three, Cardinals go with Christian Gonzalez, cornerback. Colts take Will Levis. Number five, Seahawks, Bijan Robinson, running back. Number six, Lions, Will Anderson. Number seven, Raiders take Peter Skaronsky, offensive tackle. Falcons with Tyree Wilson. Number nine, Bears take Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle. And number 10, the Eagles will be taking Brian Branch, safety. Okay, so yeah, as if people are keeping count at home, Mike and I agreed on number four, Will Levis going to the Colts. That was the only pick we agreed on. And with the news that's been coming out these past two weeks since we made our top 10, there has been uh, there's been quite a few shakeups, and I'm not feeling as confident about my picks. Mike is definitely not feeling confident about his picks with the CJ Stroud stuff going on. But with that being said, Mike, why don't you lead us off? We're going to go to pick number 11 and the Tennessee Titans. On the clock, Tennessee Titans, pick number 11, Jalen Carter from the Georgia Bulldogs. So this is where you think Jalen falls to, huh? Yep, I think he's going to fall number 11. Still a good pickup, but the Titans will be grabbing him. I mean, with the stats that we've discussed in the last episode, but I mean, what an explosive defensive tackle. I I understand the stuff that he has going on behind him or whatever, but that news has calmed down quite a bit since our last one. And um, I mean, 16 solo tackles, 16 assisted tackles, three sacks, two fumble or forced fumbles last year. Same thing, 2021, um, 17 solo tacks, 20 assisted. Uh, three sacks and 2022 he wasn't really coming into his own but it really turned on 2021 and 2022 i think is going to be a good asset for 
for the Titans. And um, I think he's going to be really good with your boy that you had a dream of. I don't know why, <laughs> but I think he's going to be able to protect their quarterback really good. And a report well, he's came. Not gonna, he's not going to. He's an edge rush or he's a defensive tackle. Or, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think he's going to totally spaced out. I think he's going to be able to assist the defense, but I, I was getting off a little bit there. My bad, but I do have a thing that I was going to say on that. Uh, the Titans came out and said that Malik might not be there next year. Did you see that as well? Just a little I, side I note. Have n- I have not. No. But just a little side note, they said, so stuff is shaking up in Tennessee, so I'm willing to see where that goes. But what do you got for number 11, Kyle? Yeah, just to touch on Jalen Carter, that would be a good, that would be a nice pickup for Tennessee just for the fact that he's he's a true power, power uh, rusher. And the quarterbacks that he has to face in that league, I'd say minus Trevor Lawrence, he's going to have some pretty favorable matchups. So he could really have a nice rookie year dealing you know not having to face any you know elite quarterback play but for my number 11 i have out of ohio state offensive tackle paris johnson and he was a two-year starter at ohio state uh nfl he's he looks like an nfl player now i mean really big versatile he started a guard one year and he started a tackle the other year. And for a team that is rebuilding, which I consider consider the Titans to be rebuilding at this point, Mike, I mean, the, the first place to do it is the trenches. So I think just overall, uh, Paris Johnson, that would be a good natural fit for uh, Mike Vrabel and the Titans. Well, apparently how I was talking, I think it would be a great fit too. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, <laughs> protecting Tannehill or Malik Willis or whoever they decide to roll out at quarterback this year. And I think, so we're going to drop off a number 11. I think my number 12 is going to throw you for a loop, Kyle, but I think it would be a really good fit and it would help out with a lot of the pieces that the Texans have been losing. So with my number 12 pick, the Texans, here's where you're going to come in and help me with the name, are going to be picking up Jackson Smith Ajibba. Ajibba. Ajibba, yes, from the Ohio State Buckeyes. He's projected to be, I think, between him and Quentin Johnston, um, the number one wide receiver to go. He's had a great show up. Last year, his stats aren't the best from injuries. But uh, the 2021 season, he was crazy. 95 receptions, 1,600 yards. I mean, nine touchdowns, long 75. He he killed it. And I think he's probably going to be headed out to the Texans to help there. I I think we can both agree, but the entire Texans offense is a joke. Yeah, they need a lot of help. And I think this is a big piece of the puzzle to help that out. Yeah, there's some there's some questions about him whether he really you know loves the game. You know, people are wondering. You know, last year essentially sitting out the year, wondering you know what he was up to. But yeah, that would be that would be a nice add for the Texans. They 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 need a lot of pieces. So I have them going defense once again. 
Uh, I have them taking the defensive end out of Iowa, Lucas Van Ness. Uh, just kind of bolstering that defensive line. You've already seen them this offseason. They've picked up Sheldon Rankins from the Jets. Um, he's a real long, he's got a real long reach. He's a lean player. He's a he's a lean defensive end. And while that does have some disadvantages, having that kind of reach at having the level of mobility he does, he's really good against mobile mobile quarterbacks. And I think that would be an asset for the Texans having to go up against Trevor Lawrence twice a year because he's shown some ability to move. Um, he's more of a pocket guy, but he'll scramble if he needs to. Uh, we, If the Colts take Will Levis, like we've been kind of speculating, I think that that would, again, guy that isn't afraid to run the ball. I think having a guy like Van Ness on your defensive line is going to make them you know, rethink potentially taking off and scrambling with the ball or, you know, even if they're designed runs, Van Ness is a mobile enough guy where he can get after those guys. Uh, this last, this past season at Iowa, he had 11 tackles for a loss and six and a half of those were sacks. So it's... strong player, especially coming out of the big 10 West, you know, those guys, they, they produce a lot of big, nasty guys for the trenches and, Lucas Van Nex is just the latest product to come out of that Big Ten West. I can, I can see that, but I can't at the same time because I, I just want to argue with this really quick. Their offense is literally so dead. No hope at all other than at running back. Zero hope. Correct. How can, but let, how can you see them let, keep let going with defense? Let me counter with that, Mike, because it takes a lot longer in my mind to build up a defense that's worth anything versus an offense. In offense, you can turn around a lot faster. And I, I mean, let's look at my team, the lions this past year, the, yeah, this past season, you know, they had one of the worst offenses in the league. They picked up DJ Chark, and this is going into the 2022 season. They picked up DJ Chark. They had a revitalized at the time, DeAndre Swift. Amon Ra was coming into his own. You know, they had a couple guys, young guys come in, and all of a sudden they went from zero to hero. And I just feel like, you know, you like you said, they're set at running back. Quarterback, they're going to have uh they're gonna have either CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. And you they know, need some targets. You get what you get one or you get one or two mid-level wide receivers. And if you've got a good old line, you know, you're gonna put up some points. So where the defense, you can't have a dead defensive line and a good secondary or a dead secondary and a good offensive or good defensive line. You need to have both both uh, groups complement each other. And I just feel like tech the Texans building it up from the inside out would just be the better route for them to go at this point. So with pick uh, near and dear to my heart, number 13, and the Packers were able to get number 13 with the Aaron Rodgers trade. They uh, had 15 prior to, but we'll get more in depth after we go over our picks with this trade. But the Jets have traded pick number 13 to the Green Bay Packers. 
the Green Bay Packers are going to select with their 13th pick, Mr. Quinton Johnston, wide receiver out of TCU. Um, 2022 stats, 60 reception yards, 1,000 yards, average 17 um, per reception, six touchdowns. Just, you know, good consistency. 2021, they started coming into his own 33 receptions, 612 yards. And then 2020, before that, 22 receptions for 800 or for 487 yards. Um, you can see the progression really came out last year. You know, led TCU out, doing great. I We spoke about this a little bit prior to Kyle, but I don't want to say out of spite. But with Jordan Love really needing some wide receiver talent, because we have rookies from last year, we have nothing really set in stone for wide receivers this year. We got rid of our tight ends. We have just, you know, Christian Watson as a wide receiver, Romeo Dobbs. We didn't really know what he was doing last year. We're, we're young. We're really young in wide receiver. And I know we're you know, with this pick, we'd stay young, but just a good proven first round pickup wide receiver to help Jordan Love out. And this would be the first wide receiver picked, I think, since early 2000, maybe 2007 or so, I think it was, that the Packers, the last time they picked a number one, no, maybe 2004, since they picked a number one pick. Was it or, Greg Jennings? Yeah, yes, I think that was the last pick. Um, yeah, that have been right around 07 time frame, I believe. Um, didn't they have him? Brett Favre had Greg Jennings. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So 07. Yep. Because he had him a couple of years. I think that was it. But regardless, um, they haven't done it really since Aaron Rodgers has been a quarterback. He's wanted it. He's needed it. We've had potential to do it, but we just keep bolstering our defense. I think they're going to do this one to get him help. And I think this one's really going to um, uh, spearhead the relationship between the uh, Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Um, but with his stats, Quentin Johnson really came out, did great. And yep, it's the consistency. Max Dug, what's, yeah, it was Max Duggan's number one guy, TCU. Yeah, and that's why I don't think they're going to go with Jackson Smith because just the injuries and stuff, the Packers don't have time for that. They need consistency. That's where they're going to go. They're going to be getting Quinton Johnson. Or Quentin Johnston. Yeah, I think between the two wide receivers, Quentin Johnson and Jackson Smith Ajigba, if you had to force me to take one of them, just maybe not so much on pure talent, but just being the more steady teammate, you know, the, the guy that you can count on more from a team standpoint, I definitely think Quentin, Quentin would have the edge there over uh, Smith and Jigba. But for my pick for the Packers. Mike, I do not have them taking a wide receiver. But you did mention the departure of your tight ends, Robert Tanyan and Mercedes Lewis. I have them picking up the best tight end in this draft. So at number 13, the Packers take tight end out of Utah, Dalton Kincaid. And Mike, I know, I know a lot of our our listeners don't watch Pac-12 football. I honestly don't watch a lot of Pac-12 football, but I can say confidently that the few games I did watch with Utah, that Dalton Kincaid 
was single-handedly the Utah offense. Mike, this past season, he had 70 catches for 890 yards. Jeez. I did not know that. I he's six four, two fifty. Yo, he is dog. he's more he's more of a receiver than he is a blocker. He's got the speed, he's got the reach, he's got the hands. His game does need a little more refining. You're definitely not gonna get Mercedes Lewis type blocking out of him. But he's got a lot of comps to Zach Ertz. And I think if you're trying to insulate Jordan love during this uh, learning period for him, you mentioned that they do have a wide receiver core. I don't think that a wide receiver would be the best option just because we talked about Aaron Rodgers never establishing a relationship with Romeo Dobbs. You know, Jordan love's going to have the opportunity to do that this, this off season. And if they do form a relationship, you have a clear one and two with Watson and Dobbs. The tight end right now is your biggest need. So I feel like Dalton Kincaid would be would be one of the best picks that the Packers could make. And I'm praying they don't do it because I would not want to look at Dalton Kincaid twice a year. But I think that is going to be the pick for the Packers at number 13. Well, rolling into 13, Kyle, you might as well hit us into 14. All right. So number 14, we have that team up in Foxborough, the New England Patriots. And with the 14th overall pick, they take offensive tackle out of Tennessee, Darnell Wright. This is just another asset to protect Mac Jones and Darnell Wright as a true freshman started seven games, which is pretty impressive in the SEC. Uh he is an above average height for an offensive tackle coming in six, five, a cool 333 pounds. Uh, not the quickest guy at that. Speed. He, runs a, he runs a five Oh 40, but Mike on 422 passing attempts, he allowed two hits and zero sacks Ooh. when he was targeted. And with, the NFC or with the AFC East, excuse me, being so strong with uh <clears throat> excuse me, with their some of the defensive fronts that he has to he would have to face. I feel like Darnell protecting Mac Jones, it's an insurance policy. You're giving Mac Jones more time in the pocket. I think I think Darnell just he it seems like that Belichick, you know, big you know, just solid, fundamentally sound offensive lineman. And he is my pick for them at number 14. We're, we're close, Kyle. This, this was almost, we almost agreed on something. Okay. But I'm coming out with Broderick Jones, offensive <laughs> tackle, Georgia. Bulldogs. I got him going next to the Jets. I have hit, I have your guy Darnell Wright going next to the Jets. There we go. So it's close. We almost had, I almost, you know, just wanted to switch it for shits and giggles here, but. All right. Well, let, got, let, break down, break down Broderick for me. Dude, 6'4, 310, freight train. I mean, he's killed it the only thing that's a little bit hard on broderick is that he is a sophomore declaring for the draft 
he's been able to hold, you know, uh, or, I'm sorry. Wow. I'm totally spaced now, but he's been able to, you know, do great for the offensive tackle, hold the line. He's done amazing. They have him projected from everybody else I've read into and looked at. They have him going number one offensive tackle or number two. I'm sorry. They have him going number two offensive tackle in the draft. I just, I think this will literally help out the Patriots with Mac Jones because we've seen like a fall with Mac Jones. I know you brought him up a little bit, but I think this is his last year if he can't get everything right with the Patriots. And I think the Patriots really want to keep him in there because they love the true pocket passer, as we can see previously throughout the years. Their last hope is to get a stout offensive tackle, and at 6'4", 310, that's a good suit for him. Yeah, and I'll say, because, I mean, we're we're talking about these two guys. We just got them flip-flopped. The reason I went with Darnell over Broderick is Darnell, he's got that experience, and I feel like with Broderick, yeah, he's young, like he's a sophomore, so he doesn't have as many snaps, but Darnell, he's, you know, he's been through the college experience. He's played in the SEC for three years. He just, he doesn't, he might not require as much refining as Broderick does. And I feel like with the Patriots, Belichick, he's, I don't want to say he's feeling pressure, but it's time for them to do something again. Since Brady's left, they really have not had much success. I believe they're 500 uh, since Brady's left. So that's why I gave Darnell the nod over Broderick. I agree. Broderick it is, he's an appealing player being that he's young and he's already projected to be a, a mid first rounder. What and- he doesn't want that, but I feel like when you compare the two side by side, that Darnell gets the nod there. And that's where I was headed with it too. Like they protect, he protected Stetson great last year. They did. Broderick, yes. Yes. That's yeah. Broderick did, did great. Um, the Bulldogs made it very far, you know, and then about as far as you, about as Go far fans, as you right? can make it national champions. Yes. So <laughs> he's a national champion. He's got it. They blew out TCU. I think it was what sixty-five to seven or six. Yeah, George just scored seven, again. Something. So, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, I mean, they did great. He did really good protecting him. I mean, a little bit faster than Darnell Wright with a four point nine seven forty-yard dash. He he's a brick wall and a freight train. He's. I think he's a good pick for him, but I can see where you put Darnell there. But I can see either two of these happening to go to the Patriots. Yeah. And, and, you know, just to kind of, will kind of, I'll piggyback here 15. So I have 15. I Broderick Jones, just to add Broderick three years of playing at uh, Georgia only gave up three hits on the quarterback there. And when you're playing the sec, you know, that's, that's essentially NFL light. I mentioned it on our last episode, but SEC is essentially NFL light at this point. And yeah, to only give up three hits, very impressive. And you know, the Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be sitting there. I need a good offensive line. I need a good offensive line. Exactly. No question. 
he's got wep- he's got weapons. He needs a line now because that's one thing the Jets really struggled with last year was quarterback sacks. And he sees it, you know, damn well, just as much as I do. He's drinking his ayahuasca tea and watching Jets plays and their line and everything else and dissecting everything. And I can see him going in there. I want this guy. And, you know, I have, but the difference is I have Darnell Wright going to them because I really think Aaron Rodgers is going to be wanting him. As we said, he's a senior, 6'6", 335. Great resume behind him. He's going to want the more knowledgeable player. And Tennessee has got, you know, got some good teams they play. So I could see him kind yeah, of wanting to see also in there to, to help boost this line. Yeah. And I misspoke. Darnell was a four year starter. I said three. That was my bad. He was four, fourth year player. Like you said, a senior. So yeah, I put him in a hat. Yeah, pick, yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of both where we're great. At. Both great. Both yep. definitely are going um, first round. No question. Yeah. Oh yeah, top fifteen. Um. Okay. Well, there we go. That was that was easy. We came close to agreeing. I know. I know. With my number sixteen, you've already taken this guy off the board. So I'll let you. I'll let you present number sixteen. The well, Washington. The Washington Commander football team. Who do you have them taking? You have also taken this guy off the board already. Okay. Number 16, Washington Commanders are going to be taking Devin Witherspoon, cornerback. Oh, you have him fallen a little bit. I have him fallen a little bit. From Illinois, 6'1", 180. We talked about him in our um, last episode we had of the top 10 because I'm pretty sure you had him. I had him going to the Falcons. That's what it was. So you had him going to the Falcons. Yes, the Falcons. I think he's going to drop a little bit, but he's been doing, you know, an outstanding job. Uh, 33 solo tackles, nine assists last year. And, you know, same thing with 21, 42 solo, uh, you know, 2020, 2019. Killing it. Doing great. You can see him getting better every year. He's... Yep. Going to be a good target. And it's literally a toss up between him. He's elite against man coverage. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Elite in man coverage, I should say. I I know I haven't fallen a little bit, but I think I I, I personally think Christian Gonzalez is a better cornerback. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Devin Witherspoon in this draft. But I truly think the Washington defense really needs a good cornerback to help them out because if they can get a couple key people on their defense and figure out their quarterback situation, because they're starting to look like the Indianapolis Colts here with it, they will be able to produce something. And I think Devin Witherspoon's a good keeper. I know Devin Witherspoon's a good key person on that team. So I similar mindset. I also went with the secondary. I have the commanders taking Brian branch, the safety out of Alabama. Now, I know you discussed him. Uh, you discussed him in your top ten pick. Where I, where did you have him going? I had him going to the Eagles. That's right. So that that is a logical. That would be a logical pickup for the Eagles. I have him fallen a little bit to the Commanders. Um, the sec, like you mentioned, the secondary of Washington overall pretty light. There's no, not a lot of talent, not a lot of depth there. You bring Branch in. He's a day one starter. 
Um, he's he's a ball hawk. He's he's really good at undercutting routes and looking at the eyes of receivers, which is you know that's what the elite guys do, and that's that's what you want. Uh, got a make a fit. <clears throat> excuse me. He's got a make a Fitzpatrick comp, which we know how Fitzpatrick is in this league. He he was one of the best. And yeah, there's not really a lot for me to add kind of, you know, based on your, your thoughts on the commanders, we both know that they need secondary help. And I just, you have them going cornerback. I got them going safety with a uh, branch. I, mean, I, I just want to make a side note. Um, it's good to see, you know, fumbling over a little bit of words here or something. Cause I fumbled a little bit this episode. So I need some help. So I don't look so bad, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my allergies have been, I've been draining a little bit, so it's a little rough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've covered both of them a lot these last two episodes. We're going to stick with the secondary here. I'm going to roll right into the Steelers with the number 17 pick. Stay in secondary. We're going Julius Brents, Kansas State Wildcats, cornerback, 6'4, 202 pounds. Yeah, and this is a guy who's been rising up a lot of a lot of boards the oh, past yeah. few weeks. I mean, that's people have been starting to talk about him more. He's starting to get a lot of light. Kansas State did great with him. He did great with Kansas State the last two years. He is a senior. The last two years, he's been really becoming one of his own. Um, solo tackles twenty eight last season. The season before that, forty one solo tackles. That's yeah. huge. Four interceptions last year also. Yep, strong in that Big 12 championship game against TCU and Quentin Johnson. And he has been an outstanding player for Kansas. It's gonna. I think it's going to hurt their team a lot losing him. I think the Steelers need him from everything that's been going on. They need to bolster up their secondary as well. And we've been talking a lot. A lot of these teams need to, and this is definitely a key spot. They think they have the... They think they have the offense figured out. I don't know if Kenny Pickett's the answer, but that was just his last year. Hopefully, he comes of one this year. Um, it's going to be interesting to what ha- or to see what happens with the Steelers, but I think Julius Brents will definitely be a good help for them. Yeah, and and secondary for the Steelers is definitely appealing when you've got to face Joe Burrow. You still. It's unknown right now, but you still might have to be facing Lamar Jackson. And then we don't know what Deshaun's going to do this year, if he's going to go back to the Deshaun of old or what. But yeah, you've got some, you've got the potential for some high level quarterback play in the uh, AFC North. So yeah, that would be, that would be a nice pickup for the Steelers. I have them going on the other side of the ball this time. I've actually got them taking the offensive tackle out of Oklahoma, Anton Harrison. Uh, kind of a natural fit for the Steelers here at left tackle. He replaces Dan Moore, who's who uh, who's gone. He is a young player. He's only 21, but he's got a lot of he got a lot of snaps at Oklahoma. He's got over 1,800 snaps. Um, he's a very he's a very mobile offensive tackle. You know, we talk about Big 12. There's a lot of high flying offense at the Big 12. Oklahoma kind of had a down year this past season, but prior to that with Lincoln Riley. Those guys moved up and down the field, and you need guys that are able to maintain, you know, 
not so much like a two minute offense. Cause that's the Steelers definitely do not run that level of offense, but you want no. a guy that has a high motor that can, you know, sustain, you know, a faster play, a faster play calling, you know, faster snap, you know, shorter time between snaps, et cetera. Like you'd see in a two minute warning and having a high motor like that, you know, that's going to appeal to the Steelers and uh, Tomlin. With that being said, he's an extremely efficient pass blocker. And we know Kenny Pickett sometimes has, he, sometimes he, takes some time to get through his reads. So when you have a guy that when you have a guy that can really be effective and, you know, hold his, hold his assignment back and give Pickett that time, that's only going to help Pickett get better and mask some of uh, Pickett's flaws at taking a time and reading the defense. So I think that he, I think that he can add value to the Steelers. And Tomlin can help, you know, coach coach up the the run blocker side of the game because he he does have some weakness there. But again, I think the ability for him to hold his assignment with Pickett as your quarterback, I think that's a natural fit for the Steelers at seventeen. Kyle, are you ready to just get all happy about this? What I'm about to say next. Is it pick 18, Mike? Yes. But I can feel it in my fucking loins that the Lions are going to be picking this guy up. There's a player that I, I, some some people have talked about, and I do not want him at 18. I want you to start it off. These are your boys. Okay. So for me, in number 18, the Detroit Lions, the Honolulu Blue and Silver, out of pit, take defensive tackle, Kalijah Kansi. We are so different. Oh. So I this this uh the interior of the defensive line is probably the last the last unit of the defense that I think needs uh, some bolstering. You know, I have them taking an edge in Jalen Carter with um Kalijah Kansi, he may not be a day one starter, but what he's going to do is he's going to add depth to that in that interior line. You add him to the rotation between Bugs, McNeil, and Anzarike. That's four guys that they can they that uh, you know offense. You're going to wear an offensive line without with those four guys rotating those guys in and out as the Lions like to do. Uh, with Cansey, he's a little under undersized, which hurts him. But if you have Aiden Hutchinson, if you have Jalen Carter, or if somehow Will Anderson falls to the Lions, you get those two guys on the edge. That's really going to create some opportunities for Cansey. It's complementary football at that point. He's got quick hands and feet. He could get upfield quickly. I'm not I'm not going to rattle off his stats in college because he played a pretty mediocre ACC conference tournament. Uh, conference tournament, I'm sorry, conference games. And the ACC was, has had a few down years now with Clemson falling off the map. But I look at I look at that 
it's just, it's a rotational guy. It's a guy that's going to help you from day one. And at that point, your defense is 100% set if you're the Lions and you've got, you've got no worries and it's just, just drafting for need after, uh, in later rounds, pick it after you pick up Cansey. So, Kyle, with my pick for the Lions, number 18, I'm willing to bet on this. No pun intended. They need some help now. Jared Goff um, has lost a couple people due to the betting scandal that they had. And I think this is the best tight end in the draft because they also lost their guy, Hawkinson, last year. They had, I think it was Wright. Was your guys' tight end Wright? Yep, Brock Wright. So he did all right, but I think they're going to be getting a Michael Mayer, Notre Dame. Tight end. He's done amazing. Last year, 67 receptions, 809 yards, nine touchdowns. The year before that, 71 receptions, 840 yards, seven touchdowns. At 6'4, 265 pounds, they could even play him as a you know decent slot, tight end. You know, they're gonna he's gonna fill one of those two spots, I think. Um, because they got Aminara. You just lost Jameis for half the year. Uh, six games, not quite half the year. Almost. And then we'll talk more about this, though, later. It's a good pickup. The Lions defense is, I mean, look at what they did. I they, They've grabbed everybody and their brother and sister that's been decent. Two yep. cornerbacks and a safety or one cornerback and a safety, right? Yeah, two cornerbacks and then, Safe. yeah, safety. So... Their defense is looking stout. Great, honestly. Top five defense all day. They're going to be going with Michael Mayer to help the offense out a little bit. They still Their wide receivers are still trying to find one of their own. Amon Ra's really been showing out, but then again, he's still young. Why not see if you can get another young tight end in there to you know follow Hawkinson's footsteps? And I, this would be a great pickup. Yeah, and I prefer Kincaid. I wouldn't mind Meyer, though. I, this is a deep, this is a deep tight end draft, which doesn't happen very often. So I, I was thinking more of a second round utilization for the lions, but no, I, I'd, I'd be okay with Meyer. And the good thing about him is he's six, four, he's a tall target, which kind of is, that's one thing the lions are lacking right now is a real red zone, you know, throw it up the corner of the end zone type guy. And between Meyer and Kincaid, the two of them are talented enough where they can be that that red zone target. So yeah, I I, I don't hate that pick at all. I I was going to go second round tight end, but if they if they did go that route and they went with either Kincaid or Michael Meyer, I I wouldn't be mad about it. It wouldn't it wouldn't be my first choice. I'd really like to just see them add one more guy to that D line. And but I, I would have agreed with you with doing a second round until this stuff happened. Yeah, you just yeah, and that's fair with Jameson. And then leaves losing Cephas at this point. Yeah, it's it's an insurance policy for your offense. I I get it. Why not, you know, get somebody that's that's good, clearly has produced numbers and help out that offense cuz right now we don't know what Williams can do. I uh, yes, he was great first rounder, you know, their yeah, first he was great. pick. 
He was great at Alabama. He had one catch last year, which was a touchdown, which everybody saw, but that was it. So there's a, there's a lot of questions around JMO. And why not look at what they, who did they get rid of again? Uh, cornerback. They just got rid of him. Uh, he was their first round Oku, pick. Like, Jeff Okuda. Yeah. Okay. You, you know, they thought this was going to be the guy. They had some, you know, stuff worries with them, worries, injuries. Why not go grab somebody that you know is probably going to produce at a high level? Great person has done great his entire career. I could see them grabbing him. All right. Fair enough. We will find out soon enough. And whether I'll be happy or screaming at the TV. (laughs) So who do you got with uh, number 19 at Tampa? 19. It doesn't make sense based on where this team is at in their, in their, when it comes to rebuilding. But at 19, in your passages, Malibu, you need to get in the van. We love you, but you're not, you're not getting into the van special. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers take the wide receiver Jackson Smith of Jigba from Ohio State. You have him falling. I know I, you I know you've been saying I, it, but he's he's like, my first wide receiver off the board. I know, but it's just crazy. See once okay, so before we get into this, I will say this, Mike, that I have my the lower portion of my first round. Once somebody breaks the glass on the first wide receiver the floodgates are going to open after that. It's kind of like what you saw last year. The first seven, eight, if I remember correctly, the first seven picks were all, there were no wide receivers, but then you had a wide receiver go at, you know, eight and I think 10, and then the Lions moved up to 12 to get JMO, something in there. But once the wide, once the first wide receiver went, the domino started to fall after that. And I feel like we're going to see the same thing in this draft. But I've got the Bucks taking them. The Bucks don't seem to have a lot of interest in doing a rebuild. They're going to try to just retool this thing on the move, bringing in Baker Mayfield. And I think the Bucks bring in Jackson Smith, the Jigba as kind of a, a weapon for Baker. And they're going to try. I, I honestly feel like they're going to try to just roll out, roll out Jackson Smith, the Jigba and roll out this team with the thought of, well, that NFC South still sucks. You know, let's get a weapon in here and see if we can't take this thing over or, you know, take this thing for a third consecutive year. So I fourth consecutive year, excuse me. The It was, it was weird that you have, I know, I mean, everybody's been listening to your picks. I know you haven't fallen down here. I would have just waited until, you know, maybe the end of the first round or something, if you're going to go all the way down here, because I think I got the logical pick, Kyle. What's Baker been doing lately? Bouncing around team to team. Yep. They need somebody in there that they can build up to be their next starter. And that's going to be with the pick number 19, Anthony Richardson. Oh, Mike. You're, you have the Bucks taking Anthony Richardson, huh? Yep. They they don't. You know that you're getting with Baker. You know he can come out and produce. But then again, you don't know when he's going to fall. But they still. I are. I would are. My argument to that would be they still have Kyle Trask, who's also very young. I, I think he. I think Kyle Trask is going to be a backup for the rest of his life. 
from what we've got to see. All right. So you got Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson. You can get him, you know, low end in the first round. He's a Florida boy. Played for the Gators. They got to yep. see him. They got to see how what he's done, what he's been able to produce. He did great last year, 176 completions, 327 attempts, 2,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, only nine interceptions. He's been putting up some numbers. Why not grab him, well, put him down? A, do what? He's a running back that plays quarterback. Yes. They it's like still, a welfare Lamar. Yes. And that's where all these teams are going. It's it's no longer the era of the pocket passer, which is sad. It's, that's how I feel, at least. There's only a handful of pocket true pocket passers anymore. Most people yeah, can the, scramble. I mean, do you have the same feelings or no? No, I, I agree. It's just Richardson... You know, there's a, you see in this game now. There's a lot, a lot of play action, and Richardson. That this was my one concern with him, despite me having having him go number five to the Seahawks. His short yardage game is terrible, Mike. And yes, you see a lot of quarterbacks be more apt to run the ball, but you also see a lot of of just you know dink and dunk three four yard passes. And they may seem simple to us on paper, but that's where Richardson really struggles is the short yard stuff. He can throw a sweet deep ball, but anything within 10, 15 yards, of line of scrimmage, you're really going to, he's really struggles. He was one of the worst players in the, in the uh, FBS to have as far as uh, efficiency inside of the throws within 10 yards. Well, I just, I don't know if Baker's the answer. I think he's going to be able to get him eight, nine wins. Yeah, but that's all it's going to take in the NFC South. Now, I will, to argue for your fact, I will say with Richardson, despite the flaws that I mentioned, which is why I think it would be wise for him in Seattle to sit a year behind Geno, but if Tampa insist on rolling him out at some point this year. The one thing that he will have going for him, and I know I keep bringing this up, is the fact that the NFC South is weak. He's not going to he's not going to be facing prolific defenses. He does have a shot to not be dead on arrival. But are you agreeing with I, me? Kind of. I I am, but I but just you fucking Rich- hate it. I just don't like Anthony Richardson, but I think if he can succeed in the right situation, he's he's a really, really raw talent. He reminds me a lot of Malik Willis last year, and when we saw Malik Willis play for Tennessee, it was underwhelming. <laughs> Very. And sad. To me, Richardson's the same type of player. Now, if you have if you have the ability to groom him, and with a good staff, and they do. Which the Bucks do have a good. The Bucks have built a nice staff. I and think Seattle's got a better core. staff. But yes, if see if Tampa is willing to be patient, if they give him a year, if they just say, you know what, screw it, through thick and thin, which it's hard for it's hard for an organization to do, especially if they struggle early on. 
if Baker goes out and is struggling, you know the fan base is going to be screaming to put Richardson in there. But I just I Richardson is not a guy that I would rush to be your starter. I would just say, you know what, thick and thin, it's Baker's year. We've got to get this guy up to speed with running an NFL offense. And if if a team grants Richardson that kind of grace, I could, he's got a shot at being successful. But well, the Bucks do have a, the Bucks do have a staff that could do that. It's just it's going to depend on ownership, what they want to do with Baker, how they want to handle that whole situation. But yeah, I mean, Richardson to the Bucks. It's not the it's not the worst pick I've heard. You dropping this mock draft, Mike? Wow, you're saying all my picks are bad? Uh, some of them are, yeah. Oh, okay, all right, we'll see. So since my picks are so bad, then I'll let you lead off with the last pick. All right. So we just talked about them. The Seattle Seahawks. This is their pick. As you know, number five, they was they were gifted so generously by the Denver Broncos in the Russell Wilson trade. And now Seattle with their own pick, number 20, they have I have them taking a guard. And it is Osiris Torrance out of Florida. Hold on. Play the music. Cue the music. Get everything going here. We have an agreement. I lost the bet. (laughs) I lost the bet. Let's go. We are agreeing, Kyle. Osiris Torrance is definitely headed there. Yeah. And Mike, I'm sure we're going to have really similar reasons. But the one thing that beat Russ up his last year at Seattle, the one (laughs) thing that got to Geno last year, that offensive line was not good. Nope. So Gabe Ring Jackson, the bells. Yep. Gabe Jackson's gone. Free agency. Osiris comes in. He's a day one starter. He's, he's slower to, than molasses. He, yeah, he's a, he's a refrigerator on the line. But he's an, he's an asset. He's going to protect Geno. He's going to protect the quarterback of the future when Geno's time comes to an end there. And yeah, starter at Florida all, all uh, three years. Yes. No, and, he's a senior. So yes. Yep. So yeah, it's it's a natural fit to me. I think I think Seattle, they've their offense pretty good. Just needed to shore up the line. They're doing that. Geno's gonna have another chance to have a nice year in the NFC West. Um. Mike, what do you got to add? Bro, tank, refrigerator, house, bus, bus dog, the <laughs> whole nine. Six five, three hundred and thirty pounds of thirty-three uh and seven eighth reach. Yep. Dude, big wig span. Big. He's gonna be able to double hold the double team coming at him. It, he doesn't need to run very fast, but a 5.3, 140-yard dash, I mean, at that point, you don't even need to care about the numbers. All you need to look at is 6'5", 330 pounds. He, might, he might as well have a foundation, a, a, yeah. a full, full basement just rooted into the field because you're not you're not going to plow them over. Oh, no, it's no bricks here. It's a straight-up fucking poured wall. Yep. He's going to be able to hold them back, and I think that is what Seattle needs to prolong Geno. He's not old necessarily. He's older, but if we saw what we saw last year, 
and you want to protect them a little bit and you can get more out of them. Oh, for the deal they got with getting Geno, I think yeah, exactly. so. We've talked about it before. Hands down the best deal of quarterback. Seattle did really good. And I think Geno respects the program enough to be like, you know what? I don't need the most money in the world, but I'm going to come out here and I'm going to fucking show up every game. Yeah. And we need to his- get somebody to protect them. The deal that they gave him was perfect for him. It, it was beneficial because it, it gave him the bag, but yet at the same time, it didn't it didn't cripple the team. No. And bringing in a guy like Osiris, you know, you got to face Bosa. You got to face Aaron Donald. You know, you need you need a big body to go in and just if anything, you know, make those guys have to run an extra 10 yards yeah, to get around your big there. body. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's an asset to they got to protect the asset, which is the quarterback and Osiris. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we agree with this one because it everybody's known that the offensive line has been a bit of an albatross for Seattle. And I think they realize that I think their team's in a good spot right now. Bring Osiris in and really shore up that O-line. I think we'll see playoff if they can get him from what yeah, they did I, last year. I agree. I don't see I don't see a reason for them to regress, especially with the state of the Rams and the state of the Cardinals this year. Wow. Makes me happy. I feel it in my loins and my johns that we finally agreed on somebody. Hey, and I won the bet, so you did win the bet. For everybody listening, that's a Mickey's tall boy headed to Kyle. Yeah, very yeah, very classy. <laughs> I'm a real winner. That's for sure. Well, Following up the draft for our, uh, what is it, the 11 through 20? Yep, we got 21 for 21 through 31, which will be rolling out here most likely the day of the draft, so Thursday. So that'll get everybody to, you know, we're doing this a little round. strategic. You guys will be coming fresh off the podcast, being able to listen and see what we got going on. Now, after since we got done with the draft conversation here, I want to follow up with the Lions. I want to touch on their situation that just happened earlier this week. Kyle, what are your thoughts? Well, what do you think Dan Campbell's thoughts are? That's what I want to word it. Well, Dan's going to have to take a serious look in the mirror because we've talked, we've heard it, we've seen it on Hard Knocks, we've heard him talk in press conferences about culture and you know bringing in football guys. And right now, Jameson, he's, he's given the appearance of being more of a me guy than a team guy, you know, gets busted for uh, gambling on college football games on the, at the Detroit Lions complex, which is against NFL rules suspended for six games. Then we had an Instagram video of him out in Vegas 24 hours after the announcement of his suspension comes, he's out in Vegas watching that MMA fight out there. Um, which just kind of tells me and some other you're hearing at other media outlets that he's just immature. So. Which makes my pick even better, but carry on it. Yeah. I mean, it's cause for concern because you've lost him for six games and now he, when he comes back for this season, even if he plays the final 11 games, we'll have only had Jamison for less than a season, and it'll be the end of his second season. 
Um, who was that and, wide receiver, Kyle, for the Browns, played for the Patriots also? The one that kept uh, piss and dirty. Not Josh Gordon. Yes, Josh Gordon. Oh, okay, yep. I I feel the same maturity level. Good wide receiver, good talent, just could never get down the straight and narrow. I'm not ready to say that he's a good talent, though, Mike. I mean, we know what he did at Alabama, and then he got hurt. He had the talents there. It's just... It was an NFL talent, yeah. Yeah, and that, and he's just, he needs... This money that he's costing himself by missing these games and is, costing the Lions. Yeah. And the Lions, if he doesn't shore up his act, the Lions could just say, and he doesn't produce, like once he does come back, the Lions, they, they make like they did with Okuda and be like, you know what? You, you're not working out. You're gone. And, and that would be unfortunate because of the, of the, picks that they gave up to Minnesota in order to get them, you know, it's a, it's, it's a waste at that point. So it's it's sad to see what happened with Ridley. And I haven't heard much of Jameson either about it, but when Ridley had his little incident, which was like barely anything, it was still a betting, but it was barely anything. He laid down and was like, I'm dude went on every social media outlet post. Don't give up on me. I promise everything. I follow him on like Snapchat and Twitter and stuff like that. He's a great person. Good dad. Like the whole nine yards really felt terrible. I haven't heard nothing, anything from Jameson. And then just as you said, he went straight to that boxing uh, thing was betting. I don't think it was USA. I think it was boxing when they did. Um, okay. It was the tank versus Garcia was the boxing out. Yep. And um, he was there and it's like, come on, man. Yeah, Campbell's it's... not going to be happy. And for them to also get rid of Quintez Cephas, safety CJ Moore, and then Stanley Barry Hill and Williams. Barry oh, I know Hill, we said... Well, Barry Hill's also, he's suspended for six games. Yes. But it's like, you're starting to lose some people here. Not you, you, these players don't even care that they potentially blew up the wide receivers here. Other than Omnira and Wright, these were people that, dude, everybody was like, Jameson's going to come in here. Lions are going to do this. Quintez yeah, Cephas did good. Last yeah. Year. And yeah. And Cephas wasn't a big name. I, I liked Quintez just because he, he was from Wisconsin he played for the Badgers. So I, I knew him and yeah, he's, he's a big bodied guy, but yeah, he was a good injured, oh shit injured, wide receiver injured, injured last year. And then, yeah, this, you know, getting himself likely out of the league, it, it's tough. And I just hope what I don't understand either is you talk about the Ridley suspension is you know, nobody, nobody is above being suspended. And Calvin Ridley is a household name. And yeah, I like Jameson Williams, but you know what? He's not a household name. Quintess Cephas, not a household name. CJ Moore, not a household name. If you see a star have the law laid down on him, like you saw with Calvin Ridley, I don't know what would be going through these guys' minds to think that, oh, well, that, well we won't get caught. You know, we're... You know, they, they, they won't suspend us for a year. It's like, no, you know, it's just, again, it, it goes back to a lack of maturity and it makes me concerned. Like you said, with Dan Campbell, we hear 
about the culture and how, you know, they want to play for Dan and he's a player's coach and they've got this cult, this rock solid culture. And yeah, it, 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 you take a step back and you, and you question that. Now, hopefully this is just an anomaly. It's not the norm with, uh, with these guys, like I said, they're all wide receivers minus CJ Moore. So they're all hanging out together, team facilities and whatnot. And hopefully, you know, they can shore up that, that, that portion of the team and that staff. And, and need, it's, it's a blip on the radar and we don't hear about it again. They need to get some help though in there at, at wide receiver or tight end something, because I just don't want to see Amon Ross St. Brown get burned out. He's yeah, too they're young. Lack- He's got the opportunity to be great. I don't want to see a Johnson or Barry Sanders or something like that to where they just get burned out because it's like, oh, let's just throw to this guy every single play. He needs. Well, apparently the Lions knew about this a month ago, and I'm, I'm kind of speculating that might be why they brought Marvin, Marvin Jones back. Is oh, I could see that. I didn't even think about this- that. They knew that the suspension was coming and Jones was available. He's a veteran presence. And he's a veteran from the Lions presence. Yep. So, yeah, I'd like to see them do something, even if it's later rounds, just get somebody to help kind of bolster that, that the wide receiver core or even, you know, go tight end like you had. But um, we'll have to see how it plays out now, Mike. You're, you threw a surprise one on me, so I'm going to throw one back at you. And it's the biggest news story, probably the off season so far, is your Lord and Savior, Aaron Rodgers. He's a Jet now. Yeah, he's no longer my Lord and Savior. I got to hold back the tears for a second, but to get Did us the up, Jets pay too much. Yes, I agree. Jets paid too much, but. I mean, as a Packers fan, I'm like, Dale, yeah. Because right. we got to bump up into the 13th pick, and some of our listeners might be like, oh, it's a big difference between 15 and 13. A lot. I think there's a big difference there. Yeah, if the Packers wanted to trade up now, and you know, it's a little easier to trade up if you have the 13th pick rather than the 15th. Yeah, 13th pick, a a fifth round, or sixth round, or something to, to bump up, and um, on top of that, the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, the number 15th pick, a fifth round pick in 2023, but the Packers get the number 13th overall pick, a second round pick, a sixth round pick, and a conditional 2024 second round pick, but it becomes a first rounder if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the plays during this next season, which he will. I mean, he will. Well, Jets they, are if, they, if they don't him. get if they don't get him an offensive line, he won't. But they'd rather throw out Aaron Rodgers with a broken leg and three fingers missing on his right throwing hand than roll out Zach Wilson. That may be true. So he's going to play that. I think that the Packers got two first rounders out of it. With that being said, I Jets overpaid, but I'm loving it because. We got that many picks, Kyle, in this upcoming round. 13th yeah, first really, round, it, a second, and a sixth. It's going to kickstart the Packers' rebuild, too. And and like I've, I've said before, I think the Packers have an opportunity. If Jordan Love works out to where he is their long-term quarterback, 
I feel like the Packers can have an expedited rebuild here because they're they're super young on offense. And we have enough vets to help it out go along as well. Right. You're you, it would just it would just it would become a rebuild of the defense. And now that you have extra draft capital to go out and potentially do that. Yeah, I think I think the Packers could turn it around and not have to do a full teardown. It's like you saw the Lions do or the Bears do within the division. I feel like the Vikings are going to have to start thinking about that here soon as well. And not to cut you off, but I I just have to throw this out there just to piggyback on what you said. It's as a diehard, diehard Packers fan. As an owner. As I am a part owner. It makes me second guess my hatred for Goody, our upper management, because I'm like, I look at these picks and what this draft looks like. It's not too much of a QB heavy draft as it is like good offensive line, wide receiver, tight end heavy. A lot of edges. We got a potential to make these picks really move, especially the picks that we already had. I think we got like 10 or 11 picks this year. Yeah. Or nine. You guys, we have you a guys lot. Have had, and you guys have shown the ability to, to, draft, well. to draft starters in later rounds. Yeah. Look at, I think Aaron Jones was a fifth round pick. Yep. Yep. Lazard, Lazard, you got in the second. Second or third. I forgot what yep. it was, but I know we got Jamal Williams in fourth round. Yeah. Like we've been able to figure it out. And I really think this is going to, we may see a slight down year, like what we did with Aaron Rodgers' first year starting. But if Jordan Love does show up, I being a Packers fan, I haven't really had too many years to worry about a quarterback. Actually, since I've been born, I haven't had to worry about a quarterback. Hopefully it continues. If it works out, I don't really see a rebuild other than maybe one year. Yeah, I think, like I said, it takes a little longer to build up the defense. I feel like, uh, you know, your defense needs a lot of help. But we'll see how it plays out. There's a, I think the draft's going to tell us a lot about what their priorities are going to be this upcoming season. But I want to switch over to the other side of the coin and let's just talk about the Jets for a minute and, and with Rodgers over there now. You've got Aaron Rodgers. He's their he's got he's their answer at quarterback. They brought in Lazard. You got Brees Hall coming back. You've got defensive rookie of the year, Sauce Gardner. That's pretty pretty stacked team over there, Mike. But they still have to play Josh Allen twice a year. I know he's been injury prone, but they still they got to play Tua twice a year. What do you see this the the Jets ceiling being? In that so, crowded, in that crowded AFC East. Even though Aaron Rodgers was my ex Lord and Savior, if he brings the same mentality on how he treated people, the Packers, the the wide receiver core, and just the team in general, I'm not saying he treated them bad. But if he, no, oh, no, Mike, stop right there. You're telling him you hold treat, on, hold treat on, them bad. Hold right, on, thank you. I, listen, 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 <laughs> Linda. No, you said all I needed to hear. Like, you said <laughs> well, all really I needed to hear. up right now. If, <laughs> if he goes in there with his old school mentality again with all these people that, like, Wilson knows he's a good receiver. He knows it. 
Sauce Gardner knows he's a good player. Like Brees Hall knows he's a good running back. And if you have this guy come in, and I know they all respect him now, but you probably like some of your bosses the first day, two days you've seen them, and then three weeks, four weeks, a couple months after you learn who they are, you start to second guess them. There's a chance that happens. And I don't think that the management and team behind the Jets, even though they did good last year, I don't think that they can handle this quote-unquote cowboy coming in there that you know. Do what? Hippie. Yeah, hippie, cowboy, you know. Not a cowboy. Well, there's a song called Hippies and Cowboys, so I'm He might be like a brokeback mountain cowboy. Easy, easy. (laughs) So uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I I don't think they're in success. And I thank you for reminding me of Garrett Wilson. I hit the other receiver's name escaped me for the Jets, but. It's. I feel like we're going to know early on, kind of like with Russ when he went to the Broncos, we're going to f- find out real fast if this thing's going to work or not. And I think what the Jets need to hope for is kind of like what the Packers did the second half of the season, where they make Rodgers more of a game manager. They utilize the run game and they call on Rodgers when they need, you know, that that big throw but i feel i feel like you're not going to see the aaron rodgers where he's not going to be putting up his mvp type numbers i think it's going to be more of a game management more of a game manager type role um but that's just my thoughts we're going to know we're going to know real fast i say by week 5 we're going to know we're going to know the trajectory of the Jets. real quick fast yep. and furious type of shit now Following that, I got two quick topics, and then I'm good to close out. But Bengals have officially exercised Joe Burrow's fifth-year option. Well, that's a stunner. For the 2024 season, I know, but I think – Yeah, that, who would have thought? <laughs> um, it, it's good to see as a Bengals fan that they're you know really starting to secure stuff for the future. I think it's good to see that. All right, so let's, let's, let's pause for a minute. So he's going to be coming up and he's going to be needing a deal. What's he going to get? Is he going to become the highest paid quarterback in the yep. NFL? We're breaking records. I think so too. Yep. I think he's even going to clear. Listen here. He's going to clear Jalen hurts. I think he's going to be going after like 55 to 56 million a year. For how many, like how many years? Oh, they're going to sign him to. You think he's going to get a Mahomes type deal? I think he's gonna get. He's gonna see nothing less than six to eight year contract. Yep. Yeah, I I agree. If, and, if I were the Bengals, it'd be like Joe. Here's a blank check. You know, write your number. Like like the Family Guy when he gets the onesie suit the with the butt flap on it, and he hands the guy the blank check. That's exactly what it's gonna be like. Yep. And he can do that. And there's one reason why I love it. To come back from an ACL tear, push his injury, come back as fast as he did, and to take them to the Super Bowl? Yeah, he has single-handedly like elevated the Bengals organization. 
And to be able to play through injury and come back and stay healthy the last two years, it's like, okay, dude. Play without an offensive yeah, line. Like, wh- wh- where do I sign? I, I think it was a good move. To And I know he wasn't going to go anywhere, but I just think it was a good move for the Bengals to be like, here's your fifth-year option. I know this is for next year, but, hey, we're going to work out a contract. I just want you to have no thought in the mind that we're not going to do this. Yeah, I think, th- I think that was the caveat, too, is, hey, we're picking up the option, obviously, but I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the offseason we know what Joe's going to be making going forward. And I wouldn't hesitate. I wouldn't hesitate to give him a 10 year deal like Mahomes got. You think so? Uh, yeah. Is because I look at it this way. Cause you look at that Mahomes contract now and yeah, it's one of still the higher end deals, but it's a value because you see what these quarterbacks are getting paid per year. And that's only going to increase year over year. So if you're, if you're the Bengals and you say, all right, you know what, Joe? Here's here's six hundred million over ten years, sixty a year. Three or four years from now, who's to say you know average quarterbacks aren't getting paid sixty mil? So I think the sooner the sooner you can lock that down, the better value it'll be for the team. And then in the future, you know he you'll you'll be able to have money still to leverage other players and get players in your organization because that deal that once seemed so insurmountable is now the league average. Yeah. Like it's going to get to a point here where I'd say in the next two or three seasons where Mahomes, he might be like the 10th highest paid quarterback. And when he signed that deal, we never would have thought that. No, I no, not even a chance in hell would I have thought that. So, yeah, I, I would be willing to pretty much, Hamburg blank check and say here name your price and we'll sign off on it. But what was your uh I got one more. topic, Mike? They also the Vikings exercised the first or the fifth year option uh Tuesday for Justin Jefferson. Yep, that's not a surprise either. Nope. Same ordeal. We don't need to carry down the same lane here, but um yeah. we want to lock it down. Great uh, wide receiver. Will We'll have to see on that one because, like I mentioned earlier, I think the Vikings are going to be the next team to go on a rebuild. And when you have a rebuild, do you really want to have that expensive of a wide receiver on a team that's not for two or three years? I don't want to say he'll be wasted, but it really is. You're not going to get anywhere. And having that kind of a contract that Jefferson's going to demand it's going to be a tough sell because that's going to you're not going to be able to spend money to bring in free agents to expedite that rebuild. You're going to have to do that rebuild mainly through the draft. So I, I would not put a guarantee that Jefferson stays and signs that big deal with the Vikings. I could be wrong, but it's just the timing of it and the trajectory of the Vikings. It gives me a little bit of pause as to whether or not they do that. Yeah, I but I I think they're going to need him for the rebuild. I agree I agree that you do need some assets and maybe they maybe they prioritize him as that asset. But 
you're going to have to put some some stipulations in that deal so he can't walk if he gets frustrated with where the rebuild's going after, you know, year one or year two where he's not getting the, the looks that he might desire. Yep, and with that, Kyle, we'll end our podcast. All right, so thanks for listening, guys. Tomorrow, tomorrow we'll have uh, picks 21 through 31, and then it'll be NFL draft time. Very exciting. I'm going to be interested to see how many of these picks Mike and I actually get right. I feel like I've got Mike and I feel like I've got Mike covered in that in that aspect, but we'll yeah. see. But with that being said, I'm Kyle. That's Mike. Thank you for listening to the Post Victory Formation podcast. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. <laughs>